What an absolute joy to see your faces and, uh, and those that are online watching today. Before we get started today, <clears throat> I am, if, if you followed the news at all or on Facebook or whatever, you, you know that this country is deeply divided right now. Um, God values two things, confidence and carefulness. When his people are going to war with the Midianites um, and Gideon is leading them, they have an army of 32,000 against an army of 130,000. And God says to Gideon, you have too many. Uh, send a home, everybody that's afraid. And so he sends home, everybody that's afraid. 22,000 leave. There's 10,000 left. And God says, you, you still have too many. I want you to reduce the number again. And here's how I want you to do it. I want you to tell uh, all of the men to drink in the river. The Midianites are on the other side. And I want you to watch how they drink. And 9,700 got down on their knees in the midst of an exposed enemy and drank directly from the stream. And God said, um, th those, those 9,700, they're confident, but they're overconfident. Send them home. 300 got down and picked the, this up so they, could, they, they were careful and confident. And God said, those are the 300 that I'm going to use. We have talked about going into the land and crossing over into the land and what it takes. And of course, God said to Joshua three times, only be strong and courageous. Have I not sent you? Am I not with you? I need you to be courageous. But then in verse 8, he says this, oh, and you need to be careful to do everything that I have commanded you to do. Confidence and carefulness. Now, our personalities are a spectrum of these. Some of us lean towards confidence, and some of us lean towards carefulness. I have a word of caution for each side of this spectrum. Those that are confident, you need to be careful not to be presumptuous. Those who are cautious, the way you err is to go into fear. God wants confidence and carefulness. He does not want presumption and he doesn't want fear. Now, here's the more important word. I need you to give grace to everyone that's not like you. Everybody has got their own lane through this thing. Everybody's got how they feel God would be most pleasing to God. And for those of you who are confident I want you to give grace to people that are more careful. I, I want you to just release them. Assume they're being careful and not fearful. Uh, well, Pastor Tom, what if they're being fearful? That's not your business anyway. That's God's. They, they, they give an account to God, not to you. And so just trust God. They're, they're being careful. Thank God they're being careful. I'm, I'm, I'm staying in my lane and I'm giving grace to those that are not on my lane. Now, if you're on the careful side, I need you to give grace to people. Maybe you're at home watching and, and it's just so easy to conclude everybody should be home watching. No one should be at that church. Listen, stay in your lane. Give grace to people that are different. Maybe you're here today and you have a, a, a face guard on, a mask on, and you think everybody should have a face. Just wear yours and give grace to people that don't have one. Each one of us needs to please God and we need to give grace and room for one another. Here's why. The world that is deeply divided needs to see the church in unity. We need to come together, guys. How many know that the enemy, it says that a kingdom divided can't stand? It says a home divided can't stand. Do you know this is the family of God? The enemy would like to do nothing more than to, to, to divide the church and to have the church. There's the, there's the people that come and that are here in person and there's the people and there's two different congregations. No, there's one congregation. 
Some today are here. Some are watching online. But we are one congregation. We need to come together. We need to be together. We need to give grace to people that are processing this and walking through this differently than we are. And we need to stay in our own lane. Amen? First service cheered at that point. No, no, I was more anointed in the first service. That's fine. All right, let's get into the text today. I'm so excited about the word that the Lord has for us. Say, would you mind standing in, uh, in honor of God's word? If you're at home, do whatever you want to do. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through chapter 2, verse 3. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him... You believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply. One one translation says fervently from the heart. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your beauty. Lord, I need you to come today. This is a very simple message. But in another way, it's very profound. But we can't, we, it can't change us unless you reveal it to us. So Lord, come, yes, speak to our minds, but do more than that, Lord. Reveal to our hearts these deep truths of your love, your grace, your favor toward us in Christ. Lord, please hide me behind the cross so that we can hear you and see you in a way maybe we haven't encountered before. Please, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been in First Peter. The series, the, the name of the series is Precious Faith. Today's message is called Precious Faith Identity. The whole book is about They are going through a time of suffering and Peter is helping them to explain why they're suffering. Here's why they're suffering. They're not from here. They've been born again. They are now foreigners on this planet. They're exiles. Their citizenship is in heaven. They belong to a different culture. They don't fit in the way they used to. So they're, they're encountering all these trials and persecution, and they're going through things. And so he wants to understand this is why it's happening. And then he tells them how to go through it, that that God is actually, nothing can hurt you that's happening. That God wants to use all these various trials to purify you. He's purifying your faith because you have this precious faith that God is refining and he's making you like gold. Everything, there's nothing happening to you that's not going to work together for your good if you just respond in the right way. So today is about our identity and about the new identity they have. And so point one today is the source 
of our new identity. So Peter gives all this stuff about the new and about putting off the old, and then he ends it by saying, now that you have tasted the goodness of God. In some translations it says, if, he gives all this stuff, and, but then it's all conditioned by if you've tasted of the goodness of God. The source of our identity begins with the goodness of God. Not just believing in it, but actually tasting it, actually encountering the goodness of God. Peter here is quoting Psalm 34. And so I want to read a few verses into where David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is Psalm 34, verses 4 through 8. David says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. David says to his people, God is personal. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows what you're afraid of. He wants to help you with your fears. He knows your troubles. This poor man, he's not speaking of financially poor. David was actually very wealthy. He's speaking of morally poor. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter how badly you might feel about your circumstance or your condition or your sin. God hears prayer. God loves you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He is not asking you to just simply believe something because I told you to believe it. David says, no, no, taste, taste. Press in. I've cried to the Lord. You can cry to the Lord. He is near the brokenhearted. It doesn't matter whether they've been, they believe in him. They don't, it doesn't matter. God is good and he loves people. This, it all begins with the goodness of God. His goodness, the supreme act of his goodness is in Jesus coming and dying for us. This is the supreme act. And here's what it says in our text. Before the world began, before the world began, it says that God foreknew he was chosen, Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world to be this lamb without blemish that would pay the price for our redemption. What does all this mean? What does it mean that God foreknew that he was going to come and he was going to die and foreknew... It just means this. God's not surprised by anything. God wasn't surprised by sin. We were actually created for redemption. You can never get to your full purpose just by being created. To get to the full purpose, you have to come into redemption. The reason why God went through with creation foreknowing that we were going to fall. He foreknew that Adam and Eve were going to sin. He foreknew that you were going to sin. The reason why he went through with creation is because he's decided before he made anybody that he was going to redeem us. That he was going to offer himself, pay for our redemption, and through redemption reveal his holiness that it would take Christ dying for us and his love that he rather he would rather die than go without us. And so this is this is the plan of redemption from the very beginning. It's rooted in the goodness of God. We were created to be redeemed. The value of something is the price that someone is willing to pay for it. Your value, my value comes from the precious blood of Christ that was paid for us. Your value doesn't come from your usefulness. It doesn't come from your mom. 
It doesn't come from your friends. And praise God, it doesn't come from your enemies. Everybody, everybody might set a value on you and treat you according to the value they set on you. But that's not your ultimate value. Your ultimate value comes from the one who created you and redeemed you. This is the goodness of God. But we must be born again to come into our new identity. This is the ultimate taste of the goodness of God. It's called the gospel. Gospel means good news. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead, it says he rose from the dead so that our hope and our confidence are in God. What, what, what is what, That Jesus historically rose from the dead gives us confidence that the price that was paid was enough, that God accepted the price that was paid. When Jesus rose from the dead, it is the guarantee that our redemption is going to be completed. Our redemption begins when we, well, it actually began before the creation of the world, when God made the plan. But it is accomplished for us when we're born again. But it's not completed until Jesus comes again and his resurrection will be shared by everybody that believes in him. We were created for eternal life. Mankind withers and fades with, and, and perishes without this eternal life. But we were created for redemption. How do we get born again? Peter says... He tells about the death and the resurrection and he says that, the, that this is the very word that was preached to you. We are born again by hearing the gospel and the Holy Spirit taking the word of God preached through the gospel and making what Christ did real in us. To us actually experiencing, tasting the presence of God in the word of God, not the corruptible seed, but the incorruptible word of God. And that word of God comes through preaching and we believe and as a, by a mystery, we get adopted into the family of God. This is, this is how it works. And it's hard to explain Nicodemus came. Nicodemus is this really good man. He's a Pharisee, but he's a really good Pharisee. And he, he was learning about Jesus, asking about Jesus. He, didn't, he, he, he told his um, associates, don't condemn him without hearing him. And he came to him by night. And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not enough that you're religious. It's not enough that you're basically a good person. You must be born again. From above. This is how redemption gets into our spirit. We must be born again. There was a guy in Acts chapter 10. His name was Cornelius. And Cornelius was a, a Roman centurion. And he prayed and gave money and all for the right reasons. He was respond, experiencing and responding to the goodness of God. And don't ever think that the goodness of God can only be experienced by Christians or that God only hears the prayer of Christians. That's ridiculous. God, God loves everybody. God is reaching out to everybody. But here's this really good guy that is responding to God and an angel appears to him and says, God has heard your prayers. God has received your alms. Now, you need to go uh, send for this guy named Peter. He's going to come, and he's going to preach to you, and he's going to give you words by which you are saved. Not enough that he's good. It's not enough that he's tasted the goodness of God. You have to be born again. And he said to, Jesus said to Nicodemus, that with those born again, because he's all confused, how do I do this? And Jesus said, it's like the wind. You can't see it except by its effects. And when you're born again, you're, you, you come into this new identity that changes everything. You might not be able to explain it all, but you know you're different. You know you have a different identity because you have been born again. That is the source of our new identity. All right, so that was point one. Here's point two. Growing in our new identity. 
So Alice and I went to our national convention. This is years ago. I can't even, I can't, I've lost track. But one of our pastors, a good friend of mine named Gary Zarlinga, he pastors in New York, preached a message from Psalm 29 on the voice of God. But here was his main point, that there are two voices in the world that form human beings. One is the voice of comparison, and one is the voice of God. And he said the voice of comparison, when that is the voice that is molding you, the voice of comparison creates in the human heart insecurity. It means that you have to be good enough, you have to be pretty enough, you have to be smart enough, you have to be gifted enough, you have to... You have to uh, when you're in this voice of comparison, when, when you live by it, when you embrace it as your identity, you're kind of in competition with the human race. And it just does bad things to our identity. And we become more and more and more insecure and more and more hidden. So Peter says... The part of growing in this new identity is to rid yourself of a number of things. And we're going to look at each one of them. But first I want to say this. No one understood this more than Peter. Peter was Mr. Competitive. He was Mr. He was formed. I think it's just natural for human beings to be formed by competition. Peter, you know, he, he identified himself as they might all leave you, but I won't. I will die for you. I'm, I'm better than these guys. And, and Jesus is like, Peter, 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 um, you're actually going to have to fall farther than anybody else because of I, I've got to break this thing in you. But just because you're a believer doesn't mean it's broken in you. He, when Jesus restores him, he restores him by this personal appearance on resurrection day that we don't know anything about except that it happened. And then he publicly restores him by saying, you know, feed my sheep, shepherd my flock, tend my lambs. Do you love me? And, and this public restoration. And then he says, Peter, this is how you're going to die. The day's coming. You're going to die for me. And the first thing Peter says is, what about him? What about him? This is John 21, 21 and 22. What about him? Jesus, I can imagine Jesus like, are you kidding me, dude? So he looks at Peter and he says this. Whether he lives or dies, what's that to you? You follow me. Peter, your identity is not coming from how you are compared to somebody else. Stop it. Get some blinders on what everybody else thinks or says or, or might think or might say. Or, stop it. Look into my eyes. I love you. Follow me. This is where your identity comes from. So he says, rid yourself. To grow in the new identity... Because like, well, I'm a Christian, then obviously I don't live by that identity. Oh, that's not obvious at all. Rid yourself, let's go through the list, of malice. What is malice? Malice is, the, and these are all based on insecurity. I'm insecure about who I am, so I have this, this hatred, this inner disdain for anybody that competes with me. <laughs> anybody that I feel like I'm going up against, and, but I, it's hidden. In my, malice is something that's hidden in the heart. And so the second one is deceit. But when there's malice in the heart, deceit can be justified. I'm deceiving you. Why? Because I'm against you. I don't want you to know my real agenda. I don't want you to see the malice in my heart. So I'm going to deceive you. I'm going to pretend I'm your friend. I'm going to pretend I'm for you. But really, I'm against you. Because I'm, I'm for me. I'm for me. So Charles Darwin had the, the theory of evolution and macroevolution. But the, the, the place that it came from was he observed nature. And he said, nature's at war with each other. 
nature, it's the survival of the fittest. That, that those animals that, that have the appropriate traits to survive, survive, and the others go extinct. And they had found at that time there were lots of animals that had gone extinct. And so it's survival of the fittest. This is how the beasts are living. And so how do you explain humanity? All he did was observe the result of the curse. The result of sin and the brokenness that is in our world. But how does that apply to us? Well, here, here's, here it is. Mankind, even though the image of God is broken in us, we know better. We know that we should not be living survival of the fittest. We know that we're called to something higher than what the animals are doing. And what happens is, is if we give ourselves over to the dark side and we embrace as our identity competition and we live our lives that way just to survive ourselves and we end up living like the beasts, what, what Peter says in 2 Peter 2.11 is you will perish like the beasts. <laughs> you were made for eternal life. You were created for eternal life. But if you live... And that becomes your identity is just survival. It's just about your own survival. You'll end up perishing like the beasts. The dark side. Malice leads to deceit. The next one you rid yourself of is hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? It's I appear to be one thing, but I'm really another. But I don't want anybody to know it. But I have, to, I have to keep up this front because I'm, I'm hiding malice in my heart because you, I, I appear to be your friend, but you're really my enemy because I have to survive. My ultimate purpose is me surviving. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy. Envy is this. I, you've got a bigger house than me. You've got a newer car than me. You've got more gifts than me. You sing better than me. You're prettier than me. I hate you. <laughs> I want what you have. I want, I want, I want, I want. And I resent the fact that you have something that I can't have. And then the final one, slander. This is so insidious. And oftentimes people engage in slander, they don't even realize what they're doing. But when insecurity is our identity and we're in competition with everybody else, then the way I promote myself is by cutting other people down. And use gossip. Of course, you can't, you can't appear like you're cutting other people down because everybody knows that's not, that's not right. So you have to cover it with a prayer request. Pray for them. They're horrible. Pray for them. Here's, do you know what they did? This is what they did. Pray for them. See, I get offended by somebody. Instead of going to them and trying to make it right, I go to somebody else, tell them how horrible they are. Slander. Peter says, mm, that's, the old, that's the old nature. That's your old identity. Rid yourself of all those things. Rid yourself of the old and grow in this new identity. Here's what he says. Like Infants crave their milk, so you crave the, 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 the word of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you um, out of First uh, Peter 2.2 2 out of the NASB. Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. The NIV said, long for spiritual milk. But the word there, spiritual, is the word from logos. It's about the word of God. It's about the word of God is both the, the, the Bible, but it's the bigger word of God, the capital word of God, is Jesus. Jesus himself is the word that crave his voice, crave his word, crave his identity like infants do milk. He is not calling them infants. He's not saying, this is a baby church and you need to grow up. That's not what the context is. The context is, in the same way that infants crave milk, I want you to crave the voice of God to be your identity. 
I want you to find your, everybody's going to have an identity. I want you to go after the word of God. I want you to go after what God's saying to you. What God is saying. Not how people say it, not what the news says. I want you to find out what God is saying. So when I read this and I was thinking about it, I thought of my grandson, Jack. Ann and Josh are down in Mexico and they had twin sons. And of course, you've heard me talk about Will who passed in January. And Jack's the other son. And he's about one and a half. And we were down there for two weeks during my sabbatical at the beginning of of, uh, the the first two weeks of my sabbatical. So we're just down there with them. And Jack is hilarious, and he's fun, and he's joyful, and, and he's just helping everybody through a very difficult time. But here is what Jack is marked by. Jack can just like be playing, or he can be with you, he can be playing with his truck, he can play, but then all of a sudden, he will get hungry, and he will just start going like this, battle, battle. And Annie's like, oh, Jack's hungry. We need, to get, we need to start getting a bottle. Bottle! 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 And it just gets, the intensity gets higher and higher because Jack needs his bottle. He needs his bottle. And then, I just love it when he gets his bottle. It's just like... <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious to see him. And he just, he, he's growing. And so he needs that milk. And he needs to drink that milk. So... Uh, But here's why I thought of that story. So we are leaving. It's the last day. We've had two wonderful weeks with them. We are in the car, and Jack has been put down for his nap. He just recently got put down for his nap, so he's got his bottle. And uh, Ann says to me, Dad, aren't you going to say goodbye to Jack? I'm like, yes. He's... She said, he's awake, but he's, 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 in the, he's in the crib. So it's all dark in there. And I go in there, and here's, here's Jack. Jack's flat on his back. He's just got, And I come in, and I'm very emotional. And I'm like, hey, buddy, Grandpa's got to go bye-bye. Here's what Jack does. Bye-bye. <laughs> very, very cold. Very just... Grandpa, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking my bottle right now. Bye. You're dismissed. <laughs> Peter says, this is how we need to be with the voice of God. We need to crave what he's saying. We need to be in this word. We need to be in prayer. We need to be listening to CDs of preaching. We need to fill ourselves with what God is saying, what God is saying to us, what God is saying about us. Last Tuesday night, we had um, the pastors share about what God has done with them through COVID-19. And Many of them shared. The, the testimonies were so powerful. They had so much to say that we didn't get through them all. So we're going to actually have three more at Tuesday night's prayer meeting before we do other things on Tuesday night. But they all shared. And I was not planning on sharing um, what God did with me because I feel like I'm sharing all the time. And, but I was thinking about it this morning because I really think that the sabbatical is when God started dealing with me, with many of the things that he's dealing with people during COVID-19. Because the point of the sabbatical is that I would not preach for two straight months. Well, that's hard when you're a preacher. When you're, it's very easy to have your sense of value in what you do. And when you're a preacher and you no longer preach, you have to ask the question, who am I? Who am I really? Why do I need to preach? Why do I feel like, I, I just, I wish I could, I'm down in Mexico and they want me to preach. I'm like, no, I can't do it, can't do it. Who, who am I? Here's what I came up with. I'm the beloved. I'm loved by God. Well, that seems kind of arrogant. No, no, you're, you're misunderstanding. I'm not loved because I'm good. I'm loved because he's good. He set his affection on me. I am the beloved. 
Who else? I'm a favored son. Pastor Tom, what did you do to get favor with God? No, 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 you're misunderstanding. It's what Jesus did to give me favor with God. Jesus died for, all I did is put my trust in Christ. Favor comes as grace to me. Why is that so important? Oh, it's everything. It's the new identity. The new identity. See, it's so easy when you're in the midst of ministry and your job is preaching to shift your identity over to your preaching. And you only feel good when people get saved. You only feel good when people get helped. And you only feel at the end of your day, if you were useful, you feel like that was a good day because I was useful, because I did stuff. Do you see that that's a slippery slide? It's not, that's not your identity. That's your assignment. That's not your identity. Your identity is that you're the beloved. That you're a favorite son. Peter's not excited about being an apostle. The reason why he's so excited in this letter is because he's a Christian. Because he's a beloved, favored son. And so are they. And he wants them to know their identity. God, God is speaking in COVID-19. God is speaking. What is he doing? He's using his voice. He's using these trials to refine us, to keep us from getting our identity. You know, we used to have our identity in this, 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 in sports and entertainment and this and this. We stay so busy and God just said, stop. Stop. I've got something I want to say to you. Mm, I'm too mad. Okay, I'm going to wait till you're done being mad. I'm just going to do this. Okay, go ahead. Has anybody noticed that God doesn't force himself on, himself on us? He's just like, wait as long as you want to. What, you got other stuff to do? Go ahead and do it. I'm bored. Huh? Well, why don't we talk? All right, what do you want to say? I love you. I want, I want you to grow in this identity that you are my beloved. I want you to grow in this this identity that you are favored, that my grace is upon you, that I have chosen you before the foundation of the world, that you were created to be redeemed. I want your identity to be redemption, not competition. Song of Songs 8.5. It says, I came out of the wilderness leaning on my beloved. Does anybody else feel like we're coming out of a wilderness right now? We were in a wilderness. Why were we in that wilderness? And mark my words, we're not out yet. <laughs> but we're on our way out. We've been in a wilderness. And in that wilderness, God has taught us how to lean more. Has anybody realized that during this time that almost our whole nation has recognized we need help, and the help can't be government. <laughs> we need more help than that. Things are a mess. Things are, are in some ways getting messier all the time. And who's, who's going to lead us in November? Are we going to get the right person? Uh, guys, the right person is Jesus. The, the mess is too big. The idea that there's some man or some party that's going to lead us. No, it just, it's too complicated. It's too difficult. It's too intense. And I think we've been humbled as a, as a nation. Jesus wants our identity to be leaning more on him. To lean into him more. We're coming out of the wilderness now. But please remember what we learned in the wilderness to lean. I came out leaning on my beloved. Oh, yeah, I was trusting him before, but I'm trusting him more now. And I'm not going back. I'm not going back to my, to my busy, distracted, uh, trying to get identity in a hundred places. I'm not going back. I'm leaning on my beloved. I am who he says I am. You have been redeemed, it says, from your empty way of life. What's the empty way of life? Survival of the fittest. <laughs> Where everything just happens to you and you try to survive. And you just try to get through it. Don't try to get through it. You're being refined. Your faith is being refined. Let the voice of God refine. Let the voice of God speak of you. Everything has meaning now. 
We live before our Father, not in fear of punishment. The fear he speaks of, the reverent fear he speaks of, is because we've been redeemed, because we have a Father that has revealed himself and we've tasted of his goodness. We now live because we don't, we're, our fear is that we don't want to disappoint him. We don't want to displease him. It's not fear of punishment. Jesus took our punishment. We just want to live pleasing. All right, last point. Living in the new identity. Pastor Derek, who spoke last week, is in uh, an incredible season right now, personally. And I talked to him this week at length, and he assured me he wants me to tell his story. That I, I, not only do I have permission, go for it. And here's the story. It's, it's amazing. Derek's biological father gave him away for adoption. And then he got married to somebody and had a family. But he never told the new family about Derek. And he never contacted Derek until 2012. Thanksgiving Day, 2012. He called Derek on the phone. And he said, I'm your dad, and, and today I've told the rest of the family about you. They know about you now. And so I wanted you to know about them. And there was one brother that lives in North Carolina, very close to where Carissa it works and lives, uh, Derek's daughter. And, uh, and so since that time, Derek and him have Facebooked and uh, got to know each other a little, and uh, but he, right now he's down visiting Carissa, and he wanted to visit and see his brother face to face for the first time. So last Sunday, his brother watched our service and heard Derek preach, and his his wife did as well, and he called him after it, and here's what he said. He said, "When you come and visit." You better wear a rib protector because I am going to hug you so hard. And that first meeting was this last Thursday. You're going to need a rib protector. That's called love from the heart. That is, this is fervent love. This is, I'm going to love you so strong and so hard. Why? Because you are my brother. You are my brother. See, to live in the new culture, instead of us being competition for each other, we are brothers and sisters. And Peter says, because you're born again, because of who God's made you, now live with sincere love towards one. You don't need to fake it. Live with sincere and love each other fervently from the heart. Not in words, not in show, but let it be real. Because here's what Peter's convinced of. That as we come into the new culture, our eyes are going to be reopened to the people that are sitting next to us. <gasps> You're actually my brother and my sister. I'm the beloved. I'm valued. And that means you are the beloved. And you are valued. And all of a sudden, we have all these brothers and sisters that we didn't realize we had. The, the, these aren't the competition. This is the family. This is the family. And so our love is sincere. And it's from the heart. Because I don't need to beat you. I don't need to be better than you. You have your value given by our Father. And I've been given value by my Father. And now he's given us not just Jesus, but he's given us each other. So we're in a family. It's part of our identity. We are in this family. So this morning... I, of course, I do the one-year Bible. 
if you, if you don't know that, I, I, I reference it often. I, every, every day, I know where I'm going to read. Some people are like, where should I read? And just open it up and find a spot. I don't have to do it. My personality, I just can't, I don't operate that way. I read through the Bible every year, and the one-year Bible sets it out. Psalm, Proverb, Old Testament, New Testament, every day. So here's today's New Testament. John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. This is at the Last Supper. Here's the new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Remember the old commandment in the law? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see the flaw in that one? If you don't love yourself, if you don't value yourself, that's exactly how you're going to treat everybody else. Jesus said that one's out. Here's the new one. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Way beyond forgiving. Way beyond accepting. I want you to fervently love one another the way that I have loved you. Do you guys notice something about this command? The only way you can do this command is by being loved first. You gotta let God love you first. You gotta let, you gotta taste of his love. Which means you're going to have to work through all of the lies of why you're unlovable and you're undesirable and why God shouldn't love you and I've done this and I've done that and I've done that. God says, no, no. Let me define you by my voice. I love you just because of who I am and because I've chosen you. I love you. Receive, taste, let him forgive you. Let him accept you. Let him rip off, strip off. The voice of the Lord strips off all of the other voices so that you can be the beloved. Now, I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. Not based on how lovable they are, how good they are, whether you agree with what they're doing today. or You love them the way I've loved you. And then, and the worship team can come now. We've got one song we're going to do in closing. Worship team, where are you? Worship team. Oh, I see them. They're coming from on high. Okay. Um, here's verse 35. By your love for one another, the world is going to know that you are my disciples. See, the world understands the survival of the fittest. The world understands division and pride and dog-eat-dog and rat race. The world, that's their reality. But Jesus said, when they see you rise above that and love each other as I have loved you, then they're going to know. They're going to know that you are my disciples you're going to they're going to believe he prayed in john 17 father make them one us one even as you and i are one then the world will believe not when the world hears the gospel but when they see somebody live it out somebody reflect that culture of heaven and so here's how i want to end if you've tasted of the goodness of god Grow in it. Press into that goodness like newborn babes. I, I, I tasted it, but it only made me more hungry. Bottle, 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 bottle. I got to have more. I got to have more of Jesus. I got to have more of his word. I got to have more of his voice in me. And then from that place of identity in God, give the world a taste of the goodness of God. They can taste God directly through prayer, But one of God's ways that the world will taste of his goodness in a world that's crazy and lots of bad things are happening and evil and why is God allowing this? When they see somebody living out of the goodness of God, they taste God's goodness in us. And they're like, I want more of this. So for this to happen, you have to do more than preach good news. You have to become the goodness. 
It's about identity. Yes, you can have just enough to get you to heaven in your identity, but we need you to grow. We need you to become the good news that you first believed and taste the goodness of God. Can we stand together? Maybe you're here tonight, today and either in person or online and you don't know if you've been born again. Pastor Tom, how can I be born again? Well, here's what the Bible says. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. It is God's express purpose. He created you for this. He created you to redeem you. But we do play a part. He knocks and it says, if anyone, doesn't, it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter who you've hated. It doesn't matter how long you've lived in the competitive voice. It doesn't matter. Trust me. Anyone means anyone. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. So if that's you, just pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you that you're good. <laughs> thank you that I got a little taste of your goodness here today. And Lord, I want more. I want more of you. I want more of who I'm supposed to be. And to get that, Lord, I need you to come and, and make me born again. I open the door of my heart by faith right now. Jesus, come and save me. I need you. And then the second group is, you definitely are born again and you've seen evidence of it, but you're, you're saved but maybe stuck. <laughs> and, and you just... You, you want to go farther in this new identity, and I'm certainly in this group. Would you just open your arms like this and let's pray that? Lord, we've tasted that you're good, but we want more. We want to rid ourselves of every voice that's come from insecurity. You said that your perfect love will cast out all fear, that you have got an identity for us where we are no longer trying to prove ourselves to anybody else or be better than anybody else, where we just get to be the beloved, favored children of God. Fill us today, Jesus. Love on us today. Pour your favor and your grace upon us today, we ask in Jesus' name.